Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 it's lifeline with craig roberts he's the host of northern california's longest running conservative talk show he's a man with a message a conservative with compassion he's lifeline's own craig roberts lot of the agenda on today's program content-wise with a sense of, of urgency to it. Some of the urgency, quite frankly, comes at our own hands in the form of how Californians voted back in November. And I'm not talking about the general election here. I'm talking more specifically about the ballot propositions, and in particular, Proposition 19. Proposition 19, which uh, was passed by about a 52% margin by voters in November is going to radically alter the taxation landscape here in California. And every California property owner needs to pay close attention. And in some cases, potentially even urgent action before the law takes effect in um, a scant six weeks, five weeks now. We have essentially been under siege Proposition 13 has, the one that protected us from out-of-control taxation when it comes to properties here in California, and with the passage of Prop 13 back in the 1970s, made it safe and secure, particularly for retirees in our state, to be able to stay in their homes, at least we run the direction of municipalities or States like Connecticut and New York that have no controls over property taxation. And uh, whenever the local municipality needs money, they run amok by increasing property taxes, in many cases forcing, forcing people out of homes that they have lived in for decades. Well, California, we recognize what was going on. And in the 1970s, passed a ballot measure called Proposition 13, which protected us from runaway taxation. Well, There's long been a desire in Sacramento and in many counties and municipalities to pick away at the the foundation, so to speak, of Proposition 13 in order to increase taxes. And sadly, we the voters gave them permission to do so in a very significant way. Now, as we start the conversation and begin the new year, it's important, I think, for all of us to be mindful of where we stand in terms of life planning. Life planning is not just how you make your money, save your money, plan for your child's education, put money aside for retirement, but also legacy planning that relates to how do you want to be remembered once you're gone? How do you order and structure your estate? And let me quickly add, All of us have estates. You don't have to be a multi-multi-millionaire to have an estate. If you own property, it could be an automobile. Have a little money in the bank, then you have an estate. The question is, have you managed that estate in sufficient pre-planning so that if something unexpected happens or when your time comes, as it will for all of us, that when you pass on, 
your possessions can pass on to your heirs, to your family, in the manner and fashion and form in which you wish them to, so that your financial legacy can be left behind intact and not destroyed at the hands of the taxman. Well, passage of Prop 19 is certainly going to do a lot of destruction to the ability of doing all of that. But I want to broach not just that topic tonight, but the broader issue of important and effective estate planning. Joining me is an estate planning expert. He is a member of Phi Beta Kappa, the California State Bar Association, the San Francisco Estate Planning Council, the Society of Financial Service Professionals, and the Financial Planning Association. And it's uh, my great delight and privilege to have join us today financial planning attorney Frank Parrish. And Frank, as always, good to have you with us. Good to visit. Craig, it's a pleasure to be with you. Let's spend some time first. I, I want to perhaps deal with the broader issue here and then kind of narrow it down to um, the whole issue of the impact of Prop 19 and what it's going to mean for legacy planning here in the state shortly, but to the broader topic of estate planning. And I kind of touched on this in my open remarks. Some people think that, well, if I don't have $10 million, I don't have an estate. But isn't it really true that each and every one of us, if we have anything of value, even if it's nothing more than just a simple bank account, we really do have an estate and therefore need to engage in proper estate planning so not only are our wishes carried out upon our death, but that we're able to protect a lot of that from sort of the, 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 uh, the long reach of the tax collector? You have answered your own question, and that is I'm a great believer that everyone, no matter how few assets they have or how great, uh, it is important for them to have an estate plan. And, you know, size of an estate is not synonymous with complexity. You can have a client who has a $500,000 estate, which would be not that significant in the state of California, made up just of a piece of real estate, and how that is to be distributed. And take, for example, that particular client, suppose he or she has a special needs child, then the assets that would pass to that child, if it's a piece of real estate and they've done nothing more than have a will saying it will go outright to my child, first of all, it would go through probate. Secondly, the property, if it is going to someone who's in a special needs situation, could disqualify them from getting benefits that they otherwise would be legally entitled to. So there are so many nuances and hidden complexities. It doesn't mean that estate planning is ungodly complex. It means that each of our situations are unique and they need to be individually addressed. Before this interview, I was meeting with clients this afternoon. I told them, look, I don't have by any means all the answers to anything. I never hold myself out in that capacity. The important thing is not to always have the right answers. The important issue is to be able to ask the right questions. And that and toward that end, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, does it, does it come down to, in the most basic of terms, uh, a counselor, a matter of who decides? And by that I mean, uh, if you 
use the laws in California, whether at the most basic in terms of establishing a will and working with probate laws, but having a will in place, or uh, to perhaps the, the more powerful tool at our disposal, and that is through a trust, that it's essentially whether you get to decide or somebody you've never met that knows nothing about you, your family, your wishes, or your circumstances, meaning California law and some probate judge, is that basically what it comes down to? Who gets to decide what happens once you're gone? I'm a great believer that people who decide to do estate planning, quite often, I'm convinced, clients spend more time planning their vacations than they do their estates, Mm. or they plan their estates shortly before they go on vacation. Simply put, there is always a motivating factor for clients to do estate planning, whether it is a death in a family, the illness of a client, a birth, a marriage, a trip, a change in the tax law, whatever it is, there is with everyone in estate planning, bar none, a moment of decision. They decide we have to do something now. Usually in a panic situation, you create more problems quite often than you solve. But my goal in working with clients, and I define my law practice, I'm not in litigation. I define it as doing good things for good people. And over four decades, we have consistently worked with individuals, generations of family members, to make sure that what they want, what they say they want, and what they really want, we clearly understand and carry out their wishes. And it, and it does not need to be ungodly complicated. What the important thing is, is for clients to be able to understand what they have, and for, uh, as an attorney, being able to explain it in a clear and concise manner. So toward that end, it really is a matter of using the law as a tool uh, to make certain that your wishes are carried out upon your death, that loved ones are cared for if there's, as you suggest, Frank, a special needs child, or maybe there's a particular charity, there's a ministry organization, your own church, whatever it might be that you wish to leave part of your financial legacy to, that tools are available in the law to accomplish that, but this is not something that you can handle after the fact. Pre-planning needs to take place, and as Frank Parrish suggests, oftentimes it's some kind of a life event. Maybe the birth of a child, the loss of someone within the family, hearing a horrible story that a friend or co-worker has gone through in relationship to the lack of proper estate planning that motivates you to decide to do something, to essentially get your affairs in order. You know, the old adage, uh, there's two things of great certainty in life, death and taxes. Um, Either one are largely unavoidable. You can certainly um, do some pre-planning to reduce your your tax exposure, but there's little of us that can do anything to, to put off the eventuality of passing on. The question is, when we pass on, will our wishes be respected, and will that legacy accomplish what we wanted to do and see accomplished 
in life. Well, visiting with us today is estate planning attorney Frank Parrish, the law offices of Franklin Parrish, with offices located throughout the Bay Area, Walnut Creek, San Francisco, Menlo Park, San Jose, and in Santa Rosa. You can get more information, by the way, on the web at parrishestatelaw.com. That's P-A-R-R-I-S-H, parishestatelaw.com. Let's take a brief time out. When we come back, we'll go through that list of some of the the top tier items that you need to be taking into consideration when it comes to sitting down and beginning to establish your estate plan. And then we'll dive into to the real present danger from a taxation standpoint that California's Proposition 19 poses and the effect of that just around the corner. It's the Wednesday edition of Lifeline. Craig Roberts with you, along with estate planning attorney Frank Parrish. We'll take a brief time out, get you updated on some traffic, then come back with more as Lifeline continues. Right now, though, let's get that look at traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. Estate planning attorney Frank Parrish is with us tonight. We're talking about some of the important things that you should keep top of mind. You know, it's a fresh new year here, and we're thinking about um, kind of getting our house in order the beginning of the new year. And one of the things that ought to be on that list for each of us is estate planning. Now, you might say, Craig, well, I did that years ago, got it all taken care of. I checked that off my to-do list. Well, if so, you need to be reminded that that that's not a one-time event, but really ongoing. And I guess toward that end, Frank, we need to be mindful even as we, we engage in estate planning and uh, perhaps create a will or, or take even the smarter path of establishing a living trust, that this is really something that needs to be kept current as laws change, as circumstances in our lives change, as people come and go or assets are added and removed, that recognizing the need to kind of work, establish an estate plan and work it, maybe not every single day to be sure, but on an ongoing basis is really critically important, isn't it? Absolutely. And the point being, just as you stressed, there, once a client establishes a estate plan, his or her or their estate plan, they do not put it away and never look at it again. That is what frequently happens with many individuals. While something was drafted properly in the year 2000, in the year 2021, it does not make any sense any longer. It doesn't mean that it was done wrong when it was originally prepared. It just means that it is not guaranteed for your lifetime without having it updated because fact situations change, personal situations change, and even more importantly, the tax laws change. Fortunately, we've had over the past decade significant reductions in estate taxation because of the exemption has increased on the federal level. California doesn't have an inheritance tax at least not now, and we repealed it over three decades ago. And the federal estate tax exemption, which in the year 2000 was, well, let me go back to one point, in the year 1999, it was 675000 
in the year 2001, it became $1 million. Today, in 2021, it's $11,700,000 that is exempt from federal state taxation at the death of any U.S. citizen. And unfortunately, while that is true, what is a serious problem is that individuals will say, well, gee, my state doesn't exceed 11700000 I don't have any estate planning problems. They have no estate tax problems. They may have a whole host of personal planning problems. And in addition, the estate tax is only one tax. We're looking at property taxes. We're looking at gift taxes. We're looking at income taxes. And they all do not fit together easily. So it's putting together pieces of a puzzle and helping clients decide what they want to do or inquiring what do they really want to do. And I think sometimes we, we sort of have the impression that, well, if we jot a few notes down, we've, we've said to our spouse what we want to have happen to the vintage car that we own, grandma's antique furniture, things of that sort, that we've kind of done our job, not really fully understanding that dealing with an estate, which uh, once a loved one passes away, uh, even with a very well-defined a state plan, meaning a, a, a living will and a trust in place, um, is nevertheless a complicated piece of legality that is very time-consuming in the management and ultimate disbursement of all of the assets, and to make sure that you're doing it in such a fashion that not only respects the wishes and the will of the deceased, but at the same token, and this kind of gets to the heart of what you just alluded to, also is smart in terms of being able to minimize potential tax exposure, um, it really becomes critically important because it's one thing to, to work a lifetime uh, building up assets and how disappointed it is then to find out that upon your passing, because the proper steps were not taken in advance, the proper planning was not done in advance, that all of a sudden you've left yourself and your estate open to huge vulnerabilities and suddenly the legacy that you thought you were leaving behind ends up becoming nothing more than an unmitigated disaster. When we come back after the break, I want to spend a little time talking about that because it's not just a matter of uh, making sure that you've minimized your tax exposure and that everything is in order and that your wishes are being honored, but also there are unique challenges that need to be addressed with forethought. Maybe that's the case of children that are dealing with maybe some substance abuse problems. Well, do you leave a portion of your estate to them without any conditions whatsoever, recognizing that the possibility of them blowing through your hard-earned money uh, in, in a short period of time is a very realistic one? What about considerations for things like uh, legacy planning for special needs children? Who will look after that son or daughter on a long-term basis? How will that estate in, in the long term continue to be managed in a proper and appropriate fashion well after you're gone. Not just the disbursement of funds, but making sure again that everything that you wish to accomplish and all of those for whom you wish to provide are indeed cared for and protected. 
State Planning Attorney Frank Parrish is with us today. Information available on the web. Simply go to parishestatelaw.com. That's parishestatelaw.com. And coming up a little bit later on in the hour, we'll also have Frank talk a bit about what it looks like to sit down with an attorney, begin the estate planning process, get your initial questions answered, and uh, we'll dive into all that, plus details regarding Proposition 19 and the way in which the ability to pass your family home onto your children is irrevocably going to be changed come mid-February. Every person listening who owns California real estate and thinks they're going to pass it on to a son or a daughter or a grandchild needs to pay close attention to what Frank Parrish is going to share with us coming up in just a moment. Right now, though, let's get you updated on some traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, back to our conversation with us is estate planning attorney Frank Parrish. We're talking about some of the important things that all of us need to be mindful of as um, we prepare our estates and plan for the future. And as I alluded to, Frank, just before the break, uh, there are so many layers of complexity here, not just in terms of dealing with the law, but dealing with the subtle nuances that are different for every family. And I guess towards that end, this notion of... uh, and I don't mean to disparage any uh, online services that are out there. You know, sometimes you can go fill out some forms online and pay 20 bucks and download a quote-unquote estate plan. And I suppose if, if you're uh, undergoing surgery tomorrow morning, that's probably better than nothing. But at the end, there are many complex issues, both some obvious and others not so obvious, that really be, need to be taken into consideration, which would seem to suggest that a, a customized estate plan really needs to be in place that is different and unique to every one of us, no? Absolutely. And it has nothing to do with the size. It has nothing to do with intelligence. It has everything to do with being motivated to do planning. I was a partner in a large firm in San Francisco, and in 1993, there was a shootout that occurred at 101 California Street. And I had a partner who was murdered that day. A assailant came into the law firm, opened fire on a glass conference room. My partner was seated. He was shot in the back of the head. Beside him was his client, a 30-year-old mother. She was killed as well. And this man then ran through the firm and shot another seven attorneys. That day, eight attorneys died, and they all died intestate. They all died without even a handwritten will. Now, these people had all graduated from law school. They had all taken the California bar. They all were knowledgeable. Not one of them had an estate plan. So it has nothing to do with intelligence. It has everything to do with realizing you need to put your affairs in order, and no one knows what the future holds. I found very easily, or I found 
at least reflecting back over the years of working with clients, that people who have a faith in a life in the world to come, generally, estate planning is a much easier process to go through because they don't believe that everything is here in this life. So I view my role as helping people put their affairs in this life in order so they can easily transition into the life in the world to come. And I sincerely believe that. I've enjoyed my and I'm glad you over these years. And I'm glad you mentioned that because we so often think about this process with a, such a sense of maudlin um, uh, thoughts that, well, this is all about death and loss and dying and 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 uh, but there there are reasons why it's referred to as a living will and so much of this is about again that sense of of looking after your children look uh, nobody expects their house to burn down but we all recognize the value of having homeowners insurance or or life insurance or medical insurance uh, should the unforeseen happen and the, the, the point of our mortality is a little bit a uh, little bit more certain and so toward that end it really is a loving thing to do isn't it i mean in, in a sense this is almost like creating the most important gift that a parent can ever give to a child or to loved ones isn't it absolutely and it and estate planning is nothing new i mean we talk about trust concepts which we've inherited from britain wherever Clients will say, well, if I have a trust prepared in California, will it be valid in New Mexico? Will it be valid in Illinois? And the easy word, or the easy answer is, wherever English is spoken, the trust will be valid. Because wherever the British went throughout their entire empire, they carried with them not only the Christian faith, but as well, they carried with them their concept of law and property titling, and one concept was the trust. In addition, in California, we have trust law, which is from the common law of England, but then we also have community property law, which we inherited from Spain, because California was a Spanish colony, and Spain inherited community property from the codification of the laws by the Emperor Justinian, in the 5th century A.D. So estate planning is nothing new. That doesn't mean it's stilted. It doesn't mean it's not interesting. But it means that it is time-tested and it needs to be done properly with deliberation and not in haste. And when you talked about the personalizing for individual situations, I can't agree or I can agree with you absolutely that that is a critical issue but likewise people have to take into account the context that they're doing planning in other words what is the legal framework and one of these considerations as you mentioned earlier are taxes the estate tax that I mentioned is pretty much at least at this point in time it impacts less than one-tenth of one percent of the population However, property tax and income taxation are much more widespread and can leave, lead to some very unpleasant results. Now, one change that we had in California 
for years was Prop 13, and that allowed the property tax base to be frozen so that when a parent, either during lifetime or a date of death, transferred real estate to a child, there was, and there continues to be, a parent-child exclusion. So the transfer from the parent to the child, while let's just take the example of, say, the parent purchased a property in 1990 for 50000 and in 2021 it's worth $1 million. So they can transfer that property to a child, and the child will receive the parent's tax property tax base, which clearly is favorable. However, when they make that trend, and that's under current law, and that's Prop 13, while the property tax base is very favorable, when they make that transfer from the child, from the parent to the child by a deed, that is a taxable gift. That doesn't mean that it's subject to income tax, but it does mean they're required to file a federal gift tax return on what value? The value of the fair market value of the property. For tax for property tax purposes, the tax base still stays at the fifty thousand dollar amount. But for gift tax purposes, it's the current fair market value of one million. So the parent has made a taxable gift. There's an annual exclusion of fifteen thousand but on that $1 million property value, there's been an, a taxable gift made of $985,000. That doesn't mean they owe a gift tax because we have an exclusion from gift taxation, but they have to file that gift tax return. That's one consideration. And adding to that, from an income tax perspective, the child, if it's a lifetime gift, parent decides, I want my child to have this piece of property, and they give it to them now while they're alive, the child receives it. It's a taxable gift. The property tax base stays at the $50,000 value. That's the, the parent's original cost basis. And as you gift the property to the child, the child now inherits, for income tax purposes, your property tax base which is not necessarily negative, but you just need to be aware, again, aware of the consequence. And the fact is, if you gift the property with a cost basis of 50000 current fair market value of $1 million, you gift it to your child, the child now has the same cost basis as you do, and suppose the child then turns around and chooses to sell the property he or she will recognize $950,000 worth of capital gain. At a 20% tax rate, that would be 190000 that they would immediately owe in taxes. Now, if our new Congress and there becomes a left-wing agenda to increase taxes, on everyone throughout the nation, even though there's a statement it will not impact anyone with incomes of less than 400000 they don't talk a thing about the change in the property tax or the income tax consequence 
on selling real estate. And that can be very negative to many. It affects everyone across the nation, but in particular, California. And we haven't even touched upon yet Prop 19 and its negative impact. And let's do that right after the break, because uh, I don't want to interrupt. Uh, Proposition 19 kind of, kind of is one of those uh, Trojan horses that snuck in. Many folks undoubtedly voted for it, thinking that they would allow folks over 55 to sort of uh, benefit from the portability of their tax rate from one county to another as they look to maybe uh, sell a piece of property upon retirement. And while it might have accomplished that at the top level, down below... What it accomplished is growing the coffers of local municipalities significantly. Meanwhile, if you are a parent who hoped to pass on your property to a son or a daughter that they could enjoy as maybe income, for example, once they retire, well, you're going to be in for a huge surprise and they're going to be in for a huge tax bill. We'll explain more. State planning attorney Frank Parrish with us tonight. Information available on the web at parishestatelaw.com. That's parishestatelaw.com. Let me mention, by the way, that Frank has offices throughout the San Francisco Bay Area, ranging from Walnut Creek in San Francisco to on the peninsula in Menlo Park, San Jose, and up north in Santa Rosa. As you're beginning the new year here, and we're thinking about aligning things, putting our life in order, making sure that as we uh, work through the beginning of the new year that we've got all of the important bucket list items top of mind, certainly your estate plan, and updating it if you have an older one ought to be at the top of that list. More information available again on the web at parishestatelaw.com. We'll take a brief time out back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. The passage of Proposition 19 last November has radically altered the Prop 13 tax landscape here in California. And if you are someone who had thought about the notion of leaving the family home as a legacy or other real estate uh, as a legacy to your children that they could enjoy and also retain your tax rate, well, you're going to be in for a huge surprise come mid-February. With more insights, state planning attorney Frank Parrish. Um, Frank, uh, this is some that I think is going to catch a lot of folks by surprise, uh, and it's not going to be a very pleasant one when they recognize the totality of what this really means and what has nothing short of the snow dismantling of the protections once afforded by Prop 13. You're exactly right, and it was presented to the voting public in a very, uh, to say the least, less than candid manner. Uh, the advertisements and all would have a parent saying, I think I have the right to leave my home to my son or daughter. And obviously the answer is yes. And therefore the ad would say, then you want to vote yes on Prop 19. What Prop 19 did or does or will do is restrict the breadth of Proposition 13, what we mentioned earlier. A parent can transfer property, any real estate, to a child, and the child will receive the parent's uh, property tax cost basis. 
under Prop 19 after February the 15th, the parent-child exclusion and the property tax transfer retaining that cost basis will only apply if the transfer is made to the child and the child intends to treat the parent's residence as his or her primary residence. That is the major scope of this rule. And what it does is it significantly restricts, then, this ability to transfer a low property tax base of a piece of property. The child must treat the transfer as his or her primary residence, and that has not been the law before. Now, having said that, I don't think clients should suddenly rush out and decide to make a hasty decision to say, I have to do this now or I'll never have another opportunity. Understand the tax laws are fickle, propositions are fickle, and possibly when people become more aware and knowledgeable of the negative consequence of Prop 19, it may be repealed. That doesn't mean it will be, but at least you need to take that, uh, to, to, to have that vision of that there, that there will always be changes in, the, changes in the tax law. That's one consideration. If you truly desire to make a gift of real estate now to a child, you can go ahead and do that. And just as I mentioned earlier, the property tax base will still be your original cost basis. But you have to balance that against if the transfer were to occur at death based on the current federal tax laws, you would transfer the property to the child, but the new income tax basis would be its fair market value. If you're transferring a primary residence and the child would desire to continue to reside there, then it probably doesn't, Prop 19 is not going to impact your planning. But if you have other property and you truly wanted to go to a child now, you have to be aware of what your cost basis is, what the income tax consequence will be to that child if he sells it, rather than having it transferred to him at date of death or her at date of death, because the child inheriting property could then turn around and sell it and pay zero income tax. All of this ultimately underscoring, as we began our conversation tonight, Frank, the importance of, of adequate and what is essentially, because these laws are constantly changing and the circumstances in our lives are constantly changing, um, ongoing state planning. Toward that end, for folks that um, have kind of been prompted, maybe a bit of a wake-up call in eavesdropping on our conversation tonight, spend a brief moment, if you would, and talk a bit about the process and how your offices can be of help for people that don't know really where to begin but now recognize, yeah, they really need to get their, their financial house in order and begin to establish an estate plan. Sure. And, you know, you have to reflect on this, that less than 10% of the population, at least in recent studies, have any type of estate planning. 
And I would say even among that 10%, most of those plans are out of date or they haven't been completed. So we are all in the same boat when it comes to planning. The main point is to make a decision to do things now. And when I begin to work with clients, I always provide them in advance with a questionnaire that's very basic. You go through basic questions. Clients will say, well, but I don't have the answers to all these questions. What do other people do? And my answer, other people ask the same questions. It has nothing to do with education. It is a process of taking the time to reflect on what you want to do. So we provide them with a questionnaire. Another point, clearly, is to provide them with a financial statement. That doesn't mean they have to have things down to the exact penny. But suppose a couple owns five different pieces of real estate. I always ask, how are they titled? Many times an individual will say, or husband and wife, well, we own them together. And I always say, well, that's very nice, but how do you own them? Are they in joint tenancy? Are they in community property? Are they, in, are they owned as separate property? How things are titled is the foundation upon which all estate planning is built. And so I spend a huge amount of time working with individuals, even where they've established an effective estate plan, including a trust, to then retitle assets into that document. Without doing that, the trust in most cases is not worth the paper upon which it's printed. So it's, a process, it's an orderly process of helping people work through issues, informing them of helping them to understand what options they have available. And that's what I really view my role as an estate planning attorney. No way telling people what to do, but alerting them to what options they have so that they can make an informed decision. That is the critical case. That is the critical point across the board to everyone, to be able to make an informed decision. And from that, hopefully, they'll make intelligent decisions. And at the end of the day, so much of this is about protecting years and years of hard work. You've accumulated wealth. You've raised a family. Now, as you pass on, you want to make sure that you pass on your legacy. You prepare and plan for their needs. You wish to bless them and and uh, see the impact of your hard work. Bless your uh, your children and your grandchildren. But if you don't make the effort to prepare and plan now, all of your heart's desire could actually be completely thwarted by a nameless, faceless judge working within a probate court that knows nothing about you, your heart's desire, your plans, what your intentions were, mean nothing if you've never taken the time to establish them in writing through a proper and appropriate living will. Now you say, Craig, I have no clue where to get started. You guys have raised so many questions here for me today and learning about the fact that the protection of Prop 13 will disappear come mid-February. If I wish to pass my home on to my children or grandchildren, I'm shocked at that news. Well, then use that to motivate yourself to reach out to someone like Frank Parrish or an estate planning attorney near you that can help you set down in writing your desire, 
use the law in your favor to preserve and protect your legacy. Information again again available on the web at parishestatelaw.com. That's parishestatelaw.com. Under normal circumstances, Frank does uh, workshops and seminars often throughout the San Francisco Bay Area as well. And of course, he's always happy to uh, meet with you by phone and have that initial consultation to talk about your unique estate planning needs. Again, no one size fits all. It needs to be unique to your circumstances and your family's wishes and heart's desire. Information again on the web at parishestatelaw.com. That's parishestatelaw.com. And our thanks so much to estate planning attorney Frank Parrish for being with us this evening. That update here on Lifeline. All right, here at a little after 6 o'clock, speaking of updates, let's get you updated on traffic. 